I'm going to talk about don't borrow from tomorrow. It's Christmas season, and a lot of people are trying to figure out how to get ready. A lot of people are worrying about this, that, or the other. Sometimes maybe they think, well, maybe I'm not, it's not going to be as good as last year. Or sometimes they're concerned about different family members that are coming and they haven't been together lately and they're not on the same page. And people begin to worry about stuff. And, uh, you know, some people are already worrying about 2024. Oh, what's it going to be like? What's going to happen? Well, let me tell you what. If you believe God, you just keep believing God and, and whatever happens, he's going to see you through. Now look at a portion of scripture that we all know. It's Matthew 6. Now, Matthew 6, we're going to start with verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. It's not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying, now I want you to get, this is where I want you to get a hold of, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature, or we would say one foot or one inch? So why do you worry about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here, Jesus is giving us very various reasons why we're not to worry. Actually, in one sense of the word, he says it's usually the, useless to worry because it won't change anything. Now, anybody know, did anybody know Dwight D. Eisenhower? I, I know who he was. I've seen him on television. <laughs> he, he was the great general of World War II. Of course, I was born in 39 and, and the war started in 41, December the 7th, 1941. A day that will live in infamy. Some of y'all don't even know about that. They don't even t teach the kids about that stuff anymore in school. But he said this, worry is a word that I do not allow myself to use. Now, that is a choice. He said, worry is a word I do not allow myself to use. He made the choice and it also should be our choice. There are too many people that live their lives in, they live in the what if, 
or if only wishing for a better life, worrying about it and it never happens. Other people are in tomorrow or someday. They're hoping that as we, as the old saying goes, that their ship will come in someday, but they're worried that before it does, a storm might sink it. So people go, sometimes they, they're worrying about things and they go over it and over it and over it and over it in their minds. And when you stop to think about it, the experience only happens one time, but they live it over in their mind until it becomes a obsession with them. Someone once said, if I had my life to live over, I may still have many troubles but I would have fewer imaginary ones. <laughs> you ever realize how many times we think about stuff and we worry about things that never happen? So in this Christmas season, I want to encourage everybody to not worry. He doesn't want us to worry about anything. Really, this verse is telling us, don't borrow from tomorrow. In other words, don't borrow tomorrow today. Now, let's, let's get into it. Refuse to borrow from tomorrow. In Matthew 6, 34, I'm going to read it from several different versions. We've already read the New King James, but I'll read it again because you might have forgot it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own, its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The NIV says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on, of its own. The NLT says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The message says it this way. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Then the voice says this. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Live faithfully in a large enough task. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. So what, really, in these scriptures, it's telling us, don't borrow from tomorrow. Don't be concerned about tomorrow. Now, the King James says, take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow. The word thought here in the Greek is someone who worries anxiously. By worrying anxiously about the future, or well, or of your welfare and your health, you're borrowing from tomorrow. <laughs> Somebody said this. I, did, I got it from them. I don't know who said it. You can write on countless American gravestones the epitaph, hurried, worried, buried. <laughs> Jesus didn't say here that we should that we shouldn't have ordinary, prudent foresight, but he's saying, don't worry. There's a difference between having 
understanding and foresight and making some plans than there is worrying about what's going to happen. He's not saying that we should have a shiftless, reckless, thoughtless attitude. He is saying we should not be be filled with care and anxious fear that takes joy out of life. Now, William Barclay, I quote from him some. He was a famous uh, Scottish, I think he was Scottish back in the day. And he had a commentary, and then he's got some, some daily uh, Bible thoughts. But now he talks about here in his commentary, the Jews were very familiar with what is being taught here. Now, you see, when you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're, all four of those are written to a different group of people That's why they read differently. But Matthew is writing to the Jew. And so it's, it's said that the teaching of the great rabbis taught that a man ought to face life or a person ought to face life with a combination of prudence or forethought and with peace or serenity. And this... The Jews believed and understood the necessary steps for having a prudent and peaceful life. The same thing he is saying, you know, he said he who has a loaf in his basket also also says, what will I eat is a man of little faith. So in these verses, we learn a familiar lesson, and that is, Patience and forethought combined with peace and trust gives us a good life. Now look, in the next part of that, he he talks about what God created and how he takes care of them. You know, how he takes care of the birds, how he takes care of the the field. The psalmist himself cheered uh, himself up when he used his memory of history he said in Psalms 42, 6, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember from the land, from the land of the Jordan and the hill of Mizar. Now here, when he was up against and confronted with different things, he reached back to remember what God had done before, which gave him a peace about tomorrow. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Uh, Going back to William Barclay and his daily Bible study, the man who feeds his heart on the record of what God has done in the past will never worry about the future. Now I'm going to read that one again because that is really good. It comes from his daily Bible study. He was a great minister of days gone by. The man who feeds his heart on the record of what God has done in the past will never worry about the future. Worry, if you start worrying about stuff, it'll cause you not to be able to look at how God can help you. You know, 
if we just think about it, how, look how God's helped us to bear up when, look, when it looked like it was unbreakable, unbearable. Think about it. When you reached your bo- breaking point, you didn't break because God was there to help you. See, that's what, that, that's, you begin to use the past to help you so you don't worry about the future. You know, you can think, I can, and you probably can too, when it looked impossible, but it wasn't impossible. God made it happen. You can probably think about when you, God helped you to keep going when you had reached the point that you, you couldn't go any further, but you kept going because he was there. Now, what else does worry? Worry causes us to lose our faith in God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when we begin to worry, it blinds us of the possibilities that exist as we believe God. We become blinded to the awesome power of God. We become blinded to the reality of God's promises. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you to worry so that you now don't even think about the fact of what God's promises said. You know, stuff come against me over the years. And one of the first things that I do when I hear a, a report, I immediately say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. God is with me. God will take care of me. God will protect me. Hello. Oh, been several, been a while back now, maybe several years, but somebody came over there to the admissions office and they said, what would y'all do if somebody shot me, you know, and they told me about it and they said, are you, are you worried? I said, I'm not worried about it. Now I'm concerned and I'm going to take the precautions that need to be taken, but I'm not worried about it. God's going to take care of me. Now somebody said, that's simplistic. Well, if it is, then I, I'm just a simple person that believes what, what this Bible says. And this Bible says that he would protect us and he would take care of us and no weapon formed against me would prosper. That's in Isaiah 41 if you want to go find it. Okay? Now, William Carey, that great missionary, said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. So why worry when you have the promises of God? Now, you know, to worry, to not worry, I guess I should say, not borrow from tomorrow is a choice. You make the choice. I got it. I've done several sermons about worry. In fact, I got a book back there. It's called uh, How to Live Worry-Free. Some of you may have been here when I preached that. 
those messages because all of my books come from my preaching my message. I don't ever sit down and write one. I, 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 I preach them and then they transcribe them and put them into readable form and that's how I get my books. That's how dad got his books. That's how Craig got his. That's how Denise gets, will get hers, Lynette. Because I think they carry a little bit more anointing that way because I'm not sitting down at the computer trying to figure out how to write something to write. I'm preaching it. Okay? But worry is needless and useless and produces nothing but fear and anxiety. Come on now. Actually, worry, you might say, is worse than useless because it's harmful to the mind and the body. Do you know that, I don't know what they are today, but in years gone by, they're still, they're still strong up at the top. In our society today, stomach ulcers and heart trouble are a big problem. And they say that most of the time it's caused by extreme anxiety and worry. Hello. You know, somebody said it, and I think it's true. The Bible says it, but somebody said that it's a medical fact that who, he who laughs most lives the longest. I don't know. I just got that. I don't know. But Proverbs does say that or says it like this. Proverbs 17, 22 in New King James, a merry heart does, does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. The NLT says a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit snap, snap saps a person's strength. The message a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. <laughs> you don't worry. Where, if you're worrying about something, did you, how many of you, and, I'm gonna, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but how many of you, before you found out about trusting God, you would worry about stuff until you were just wore out? We probably have all been there. The enemy wants us that way. He wants to destroy us. You know, when you get right down to it, worry affects your judgment. It lessens your power of, to make a proper decision. Sometimes it renders you incapable of enjoying life. You know, we must learn to, to give our best in every situation and then trust God for the rest of it. Worry, I don't know why people do this, but worry cannot change the past. Your past is already, it's there, it's gone. It's history. Some people, you know, they worry over the past. Oh, I just wish I hadn't have done that. 
oh mom, why did I do something like that? And actually all it does is put you in a state of paralysis in your mind where you can't enjoy anything. Now y'all looking at me funny, but it's the truth. And like Bill said, on Wednesday night, I just like to talk to you about, about things that can help you. You use it on the spiritual side and you use it on the natural side. <clears throat> William Barclay again says in his daily Bible study, worry about the future is wasted effort. The future of reality is seldom as bad as the future of our fears or our worry. Actually, worry does makes a mountain out of a molehill. People who worry seldom think of the great possibilities of t- there are in tomorrow. They only fear the sorrow that could happen. Could happen. Uh, they're worrying about something that could be, that hadn't even come into existence yet. Come on now. I see some of you shaking your head. At least maybe I'll get through to some of you anyway. All right. I'm going to let you go in just a few minutes, probably early tonight, maybe. You know, Billy Graham said this, I've read the last page of the Bible and it's going to turn out all right. We just need to believe that what the Bible says and it's going to turn out all right. We can either choose to dwell on the good things and on what God said or dwell on all of the negative things that's going on and worry about them. You know, you can, you can get a couple of people and they're both in the same situation. And one is absolutely peaceful. And the other one, as the old saying goes, is worried to death. Yet they're both in the same situation. What is it? One of them has chosen to look at the positive, not the negative. One of them's chosen to believe what the Bible says. The other one is looking at the situation and saying, there's no way out. There's nothing that I can do. Oh, what am I going to do? You know, as a kid growing up in my dad's house, you've heard me say it. I go to him, you know, I'm 10, 12 years old, I'm, I'm old enough now, 13, 14, and I, I'm understanding life and I'm understanding, I said, and I understand we, we're facing a situation. Maybe, maybe we have payments and we don't have money for it. And I said, oh my Lord, Dad, what are we going to do? He said, son, all we're going to do is believe God. This is, another, this is another chance to prove God's word works. That's what he always said. If I go to him and ask him about something, he said, son, what's the word say? That was his answer. He believed this word. 
You probably heard him say he read the New Testament through over 150 times and then he quit counting because he said, he said it, the Lord told him not to get puffed up over it. So he quit counting. But I do know, I'm in the first grade. He pastored in that church in Van, the last church he pastored before he went out middle of my third grade year and never pastored again, traveled and preached all over the world. But uh, because that parsonage only had two bedrooms and they had, mom and dad had one of them and my sister and my cousin's sister that lived with us, come to live with Ruth, uh, had the other bedroom. I had a little half bed and it, actually it was right there in the, because we didn't have, you know, it wasn't a big house. I mean, you got a kitchen and, and a place to eat and a living room and, and, a, and a bathroom and two bedrooms and that's it. So my, my, my little bed, my bed I had was right there in the, in the living area and dad's, all, dad's desk was there. I would go to sleep and he's sitting at that desk studying, reading, Bible, reading, saying, studying. I wake up the next morning and he's still sitting there. He'd been there all studying all night. Now some people say, well, I'd like to have faith like Brother Hagin. Well, you willing to do what he did? See, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. If you, want, if you want strong faith, get in the word, read it. Especially the epistles, starting with Corinthians. All right. That's the side thought, okay? <laughs> our worry, our peace, is determined by the thoughts that we entertain. And we all, you all know where I'm going next. All of you know Philippians 4, 6, <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report. If there is any virtue, if there's any, pra any praiseworthy, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Or in other words, that, that's, that's what you think about. One, one lady said this, Edith Armstrong, I don't know who she is, but I like the statement. I keep the telephone of my mind open to peace, harmony, health, love, and abundance. Then whenever doubt, worry, anxiety, or fear try to call me, they get a busy signal and soon they'll forget the number. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good statement. <laughs> In other words, she said, I don't allow myself to even think about stuff like that. Worry and peace, both peace, both come from the same place within us. Either peace or worry comes from us. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. The New Living says it like this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all those thoughts, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. 
If we choose to dwell on the, well of God, the word of God, then we're going to have peace. He said it right there. If you choose to dwell on all your situations and all your things that's going on, that's happening in your life. And hey, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say these things don't happen. They do. They happen to me too. But I refuse to be, I refuse to worry about them. I refuse to think in, about them and think about what might happen or what might not happen. I go to what the word says. You see, that's what I think on. I think on the word. If you only think on the uncertainty of the circumstances around you, then you're going to have a problem. Hello? You know, don't borrow from tomorrow. Turn, look at your neighbor and say, hey, don't borrow from tomorrow. It'll take, tomorrow will take care of itself. You got enough to deal with just today. Hello. I love a statement that Corey Tin Boone said. And I, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. No, we don't know the future. It's unknown. But I know God. And I can trust him. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will take care of itself and God will be there with me tomorrow. He'll be with me the next day. He'll be with me the next day. He'll always be there with me. And I can have the kind of life he said in John 10, 10 that he wanted us to have life and have it more abundantly. Well, it's not abundant life when you're worrying all the time and concerned. But when you know what God said, you can walk through life and enjoy life. Everybody stand, please. Heavenly Father, talk to these people for a minute tonight. Just about worrying. Father, help us all to not yield to the temptation to worry. Now, I'm not talking about not being concerned and about tomorrow, but I'm talking about worrying about it. Help us all to follow what we have talked about tonight. And may we live that good life that you said belonged to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise God, and praise God, praise God. Listen, if you happen to be in here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, the ladies are here, the men are over here. If you come and pray with them, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Also, if you know what it is to serve Christ, but you're you need to rededicate your life. You've got off course. Well, come and pray with them. Or if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit. Or if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, as we're dismissed, come to the front and they'll pray with you and you won't leave here, like I said, in Jesus' name, like you came. Listen, don't forget Sunday. Now, we the staff got together and we, we realized that Sunday was Christmas Eve. Well, it's going to be a little difficult to have a Sunday morning service and then come back for candlelight and carol service that night. It, it just doesn't seem, to, doesn't seem to fit very well. So that's why we decided to do it this way. So, hey, everybody come. So I said, well, the kids will be in here. Hey, don't worry about it. It's a family service. When family's around, there's kids around. 
you know. So I said, well, they, they make me nervous. Well, let me tell you something. God's not nervous. So don't you need to be nervous. Then besides that, I started preaching when I was 18 in little old bitty churches out in the country. It didn't even have a sound system. They didn't have a nursery. They didn't have a kid's church. Everybody was in there. And, the, and I just learned to lift my voice and talk a little bit louder. And if it wasn't loud enough, I got a little bit louder. And I can take this microphone off and talk and you can hear me. And I'm not even straining my voice, but I learned to do that <laughs> from preaching. And so it don't bother me. Somebody said the other day, said, you know, here a while back, a person was making noise over here and, and you, you didn't act like it didn't bother you. You just went over to this side of the stage and kept preaching. I said, yeah, that's what you learned to do. So everybody come, bring, bring grandma, grandpa, your aunt, your uncle, anybody else, any family members, bring them all. It's a good time, okay? God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning right here. Carol's Candlelight and Communion. It's a great service. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, come to the front right now. Be careful out there. There's a lot of people walking and a lot of cars. God bless.